Welcome along to the show this afternoon. And, of course, if you're not to get to on by the way, can I just mention, slightly, we're slightly late today. We had a few technical difficulties, thanks to... Well, I suppose we could blame God for this one, really. Uh, yes, the thunder and lightning is playing havoc with all sorts of technology all over the country at the moment. If you are anywhere at the moment and you're uh, there's a lot of thunder and lightning around, well, my advice to you is to stay indoors because it is pretty bad today. And according to the weather forecast, it's going to get a lot worse. Now, we've a lot to get through today, but I do want to concentrate and focus on one thing, which is a border poll or a referendum, as Leo Varadkar calls it. A border poll would probably be defeated if held now, according to Leo Varadkar. The Taoiseach said that if it was held and lost, it would leave a wake of division in the north and calls for reunification, which would likely fall off the agenda for years, citing examples in Republican Australia and Quebec and Canada. He says, I don't think it'd be a good idea, certainly not at this point in time. He said, despite stating that he would like to see a united Ireland, I think the difficulty with the border poll is it would certainly be divisive in Northern Ireland, but it would also be probably defeated in Northern Ireland. Now, he said, if you if you look at the Good Friday Agreement, it says to make provision for a border poll, makes provision for a referendum of, re, of unification, but it says in the Good Friday Agreement that it should only happen when there's actually a stage when Northern Ireland has formed the opinion that it actually might pass. In other words, if the climate is there for it. And I want to know what you think. Do you believe there should be a border poll or a referendum on a united Ireland, if that's the way you want to word it, if that's the way you're comfortable wording it? Let us know. The number, as usual, 85 100 We want to get your calls as well. That's 85 100 Joining me as well is Maliki Steenson, solicitor and political contributor. Uh, Maliki, good afternoon to you. And also I have Jerry Carlyle, who is with us as well. Uh, Jerry is the chief executive of Future Ireland. Good afternoon to you too, Jerry. Good afternoon, Matt. Jerry, are you there? Can you hear me okay? Oh. Yes, good afternoon. Now, first of all, Jerry, I'll come to you first. Um, in relation to the comments by Leo Varadkar, is he kind of making sense that, sure, if we do it now and it fails, well, then we're not going to get another run at it for another while. So what's the point in doing it now? Because according to the Good Friday Agreement, the climate must be there in the first place for a positive action. Well, uh, thanks for having me on. Now, I, I think that uh, really we're starting from the wrong point. Um, I, I actually don't know anybody who wants to have a referendum tomorrow. I don't think that's the point. I don't think that's the, the question um, uh, that we're currently uh, trying to deal with. What we're trying to deal with is uh, getting the government uh, to a stage where they're going to plan and prepare for a referendum that, that according to uh, many of the experts, you know, including people like Professor Brendan O'Leary and, um, and, and even Bertie Ahern, uh, they, they, they believe that, uh, that a referendum will be held sometime towards the end of this decade, so around 2030. So nobody's asking for a referendum tomorrow. Uh, really what we need is a process of planning and preparing. And in, in our view, in the view of Ireland's future, uh, really what we need is the government to step up to the plate and to really uh, grasp uh, that process of planning and preparing in advance of a referendum. I mean, he believes it'll be defeated at the moment. That, I suppose, is a sticky point. And let me just come to Maliki Steenson in relation to that. Maliki, do you believe it would be defeated if there was a border poll? Well, let's look at what a border poll actually is. And the person who makes the determination on whether the, the a majority in the sixth county state that is likely to vote for to leave the United Kingdom is the British Secretary of State in the North. Nothing to do with the Irish government. Nothing to do with what the people in the 26 counties uh, vote for. 
So the sole decision is with the people of the six county state, which is the whole reason that it was set up in the first place as a six county part of Ulster rather than a nine county um, Ulster. Now, let's be very clear. Leo Baradkar and Fine Gael have no interest in either the reunification of this country or the withdrawal of British interference in our island. And they've been very clear on that since 1922 when they um, created... You're not... Maliki, Maliki, what you're doing doing there is you're talking about something that's historical. You you cannot compare what Leo Varadkar, what Simon Coveney, what Michal Martin are thinking right now compared to the men and the women of 1922. I mean, there just isn't... No, there isn't isn't the same mindset. That's a ridiculous analogy. It is the very same mindset, because in 1922, those who voted for petition were the very same people who would have rejected the rising and would have accepted home rule. Today, they're prepared to cede sovereignty to everything except the parliaments, either in in the north or in the south. And, I mean, that's the reality. Leo Varadkar shows no allegiance to this state or the northern state. He's so allegiance is now to the European Union. And what, what, what we talk about reunification, it's but, not but, 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 but that's But that's a little bit, un- but hang on, that's a little bit unfair. On numerous occasions, he has mentioned the border poll, and quite a positive, by the way, way in the last four or five years. He well, has the, said the border, it. A border poll is the, the reinforcement through the Good Friday Agreement of the Union's veto. That's mm. exactly what it is. And, you know, this uh, pussyfooting around whether we have a border poll or not, is entirely irrelevant. The Irish Republic of the nation state of 32 counties is sacrosanct. It's not up to any generation of Irish people to determine okay. the, the layout of the island. So it's, it's nothing... Okay, but, okay, but we, well, okay, we let... Imagine in, in this state, Niall, I don't believe that with the current change of the demographics of this state, and as we move towards 2030, where Bertie and people say we should have this referendum, that the demographics and this change in citizenship in this country will lead us to a bigger defeat on this issue rather than uh, bringing us okay. closer. Okay, and, and Jerry, that's a fair point. Ireland has changed quite substantially, particularly the Republic of Ireland, which has become quite liberal in its views. Northern Ireland, still reasonably conservative in its views. But then there's also the financial aspect of it as well. And would many people, I suppose, across the land, across the island of Ireland, be interested in sharing those resources? Because let's be clear about it, the Republic of Ireland is in a much better financial state than the North of Ireland currently at the moment. Uh, the North of Ireland, we don't know the exact figure, but it seems to vary year from year. Uh, the latest figures suggest uh, that, where is the figure here? Uh, the, the latest figure was 15 million. Uh, actually, just said here, uh, the, the, the largest increase in the expenditure in the UK uh, for year ending March 2021, Northern Ireland accounted for at least an amount of expenditure at 34.6 billion, an increase of 6.5 billion compared to the year before. So the real argument, Jerry, is could we afford it? Well, I think that, uh, that 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 has been uh, said for for many years now. I, I think really, when you again I refer to the experts here, if you listen to the the economists and the reports that have been coming from the, the ESRI uh, in, in 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 recent years, just over the course of the last two years, really, um, it really points to a scenario where uh, it's not just a case that. Ireland, uh, in terms of uh, a new 32-county state, uh, wouldn't survive or couldn't afford it. Uh, it would actually flourish. And I think if you consider uh, all of the uh, changes that have taken place uh, right across uh, southern uh, society, and, and you see how stagnant uh, northern society has remained, 
um, you do see the opportunities there, and 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 it does become apparent to uh, to people that we have an opportunity to build something which could be really really strong, really good, and could be one of the best small countries in the world, right across all the sectors, right across health, education. But there's uh, so many. But Jerry, there is so many complications around that. Let's take one of those things you just mentioned, which is health. As we all know, in Northern Ireland, nobody pays for a doctor, nobody pays for a prescription, and nobody pays for healthcare. In Ireland, we pay through the nose for it, unless you got private health insurance. So you have two options: everybody gets it for free, or we suddenly start charging people in Northern Ireland fifty quid to visit a doctor, and you know thirty quid for their prescription or whatever it is. They'll never put up with that, and we're certainly not going to put up with paying for it. So all of those complications would take years to work out. VRT tax, uh, VAT, income tax, everything is different. And not only that, a large percentage of the population in Northern Ireland are employed by the state, uh, the civil service in both mainland UK for Her Majesty's uh, Royal Majesty's Civil Service. And you also got people working for the Northern Irish Civil Service in the nor- in North of Ireland. They would all be out of a job. We would have to employ them within the civil service of Ireland. I don't know if there'd be enough jobs to go around. So there's a lot of complications that would take a lot of time. Well, it can't be both. It can't be be that they would be out of a job and they would work for a new civil service. So it has to be one or the other, really. But I I think that uh, now we we can be defeatist about this so we can use this as an opportunity to build something brilliant. The reality is the North is. um, It's not sustainable as it currently stands. The the, the, the argument about 50-year-old to visit uh, the doctor is a sound enough argument if you based it on the current scenario. What we want to do is build something better. In the North, for instance, we have 500,000 people on waiting lists at the moment. You know, we, we've we, we 400 doctors that are uh, resigned from the, uh, the doctor register in the UK. 15% of GPs in the North are handing their contracts back. That's not sustainable. We've no new schools getting built in the North. We've no new infrastructure. I mean, you, you're looking at uh, things uh, being introduced here that simply uh, won't allow people to live uh, a, a life of, of a reasonable standard of living in the north. Now, there's too high a proportion of the population that can't afford to pay for things anymore. They want something new. And, and, and what you're seeing now is more and more people within the north who are ready and prepared to have this conversation and to make their lives uh, better in, in the context of a new and united Ireland. But that needs government uh, support, you know, with, with increasing disparity and in levels of pay between, let's say, you know, the, the UK and, and, and the south of Ireland. Uh, people, if, if, you, if you live in Uri uh, and you're a school teacher, you're looking a few miles across the border and you see someone who earns 10,000 euro more than you. If you're in Uri and you're in the PSNI, you're looking at a guard in, in Dundalk who earns 10,000 euro more than you also. So, I mean, right across society here, and, and, and again, don't, don't believe me, believe the ESRI on this, the experts. Well, but you, but you're, they, all, they yeah, but you're also you, looking at a situation uh, where the so, cost so, of living so, in Newry so is let cheaper. Me, let me finish this point. Sorry, sorry now, let me, let me finish this point, and I'm just about to address, address that. that. Across the board, if you look at the, at the economic indicators, that uh, pound for pound, euro for euro, euro for euro, uh, you, you actually have much more money in your pocket if you're living in the 26 counties than if you live in the six counties. And again, if you don't believe any of that, go to the well, one well, no, well, 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 it's not that all. I don't believe it, Jerry. No, no, well, well, hang no, with, with respect, Jerry, I have personal experience. Sorry, because now, let me, let me, because I, I live in both. I just need to finish this point. I just need to fi- 
Now, I need to finish this point. I'm not talking about if you don't believe it. I'm talking about if one doesn't believe it. If, if one doesn't believe all of that, go to the, the, the big determinant, the, the, the big measure, and that is life expectancy. Right now, if you live in the 26 counties, you will live two years longer than if you live in the six counties. That is not sustainable. And that's a very fair point. Okay, that's a very fair point. Uh, Maliki, you know, we all want a bright future. I would love, and I think everybody would love the idea of a one Ireland island. Um, but of course, there are complications that come with that. I mean, it's all well and good to have the dream, but maybe Leo Varadkar is right to some degree that maybe now is not the time to do it. I mean, Jerry has pointed out quite a lot of things there in relation to the cost of living, in relation to the difference in wage, the disparity between wages, and I see that all the time, particularly with the civil service. Your civil service in Northern Ireland, a lot of them get paid minimum wage. That wouldn't be happening in the South. And realistically, you know my personal situation. I spend most of my time in Northern Ireland now. And, you know, and I pop up and down to the South every now and again. But I can see that the, the, the days of living in Northern Ireland much cheaper than living in the South are long gone. Because diesel is more expensive in Northern Ireland. Electricity is equally as expensive. Your shopping basket is equally as expensive. The only thing maybe would be drugs would be a little bit cheaper, paracetamols and stuff like that. But generally, it's in and around the same price, if not, if, if not even more expensive than living in the South. So how do you bind all that together and keep everybody happy? Because that is going to be a really difficult task. And Northern well, Ireland, as we know, doesn't have a huge amount of industry at this moment in time. That's the challenge that faces us. But it's not simply a case of taking a, a dysfunctional northern state and attaching it onto a, a more dysfunctional southern state. We want to create a new Ireland, one where we have a government and we have a political class that's actually concerned about the welfare of its people. And you talk about the health service. I mean, the health service in this country needs to be totally taken apart and rebuilt. We say that for 25 years. And for longer. And the one common factor we have in, in, in the highest offices in this state is that they have all been ministers for health at some stage, whether it's Michal Martin or Baradkar or Harris or whoever. And we even see today, we can't even build, yet again, tens of millions more in cost for to build a simple hospital in, in, in our city, Dublin. Beggars believe that nothing in this country works and nothing... But well, 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 then why are. why do you think, and, and with respect, Jerry as well, and, and by the way, I'm with you both. I would love that future for the next generation of children coming into Ireland, of this wonderful united geographical country that we all live happily in in great harmony. And by the way, can I also point out that there was a recent survey that pointed out that many, many people in Northern Ireland um, consider themselves Northern Irish. And uh, here it is here. Uh, half of the population of Northern Ireland describe themselves neither unionist nor nationalist, according to research. Uh, they call themselves basically Northern Irish. Now, they will be mainly young people who don't consider themselves to be on either side of this. And maybe, maybe what they're looking for is an independent state of Northern Ireland. I don't know. Well, I mean, that was the position of the UDA. From the, no, no, no. Position, you know, but I, I don't accept that there's any legitimate state called Northern Ireland. There is Ireland. There is a partition state of the six county state, which is under British control at the minute. And we want to see an end to that. But what we need in this country are politicians whose vision extends beyond the next election, whose vision is beyond their own personal careers, that their vision is beyond what um, somebody in Europe thinks of them. We need to look um, and we, in some sense, need to become somewhat insular and decide what is best for the people on all of this island and create a new Ireland where all of our people 
are entitled and receive the best education possible, the best healthcare possible, the best standard of living possible with the resources that we have. And it seems that we, we are incapable of creating a political class who are prepared to look beyond. And why do you, and why do you think that's going to change? How do you possibly believe that's going to change? The political class, all that'll change is the names. You know, it'll well, do exactly think, the same thing. I mean, well, what happens at the next election? Sinn Féin maybe get in with a sprinkling of Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil, possibly, I don't know. I mean, nothing is going to change. Let's be clear about it. Sinn Féin are incapable of running a government in Northern Ireland. So what, well, well, what capability true. would they have in the South? If we look at the provisionals, you know, who spent 30 years involved in a war in which 3,500 people died to end British rule in, in the northeast of Ireland, and now they're committed to implementing British rule, and not alone that, when they can't even get the, the puppet parliament instalment up and running, they run to the British government and demand that they bring in legislation which the people in the north, by and large, didn't want um, and were never asked about in relation to abortion, for instance, or anything else that, that suits them. What I would do immediately with the, with the puppet government instalment is to stop all the salaries and that would soon get them back. Okay, okay well, well, let me go back to Jerry. Let me, let me go back to Jerry on that. Jerry, you know, in the northeast of the country, as Maliki calls it, or Northern Ireland, as we, as it's affectionately known, I mean, they're incapable of even getting an executive together, their own government together. I mean, what possible chance have we got of communication and organising a united Ireland when we were incapable of, A, running the Republic of Ireland properly? We've seen numerous governments fail miserably. We can see what's happening in the, in the south at the moment. And in Northern Ireland, they can't even get a government together. So what, what possible chance have we got? Well, we don't have a great chance now if the government in the South don't start to plan and prepare. If, if, if you see something coming at you in a number of years, then in any walk of life, you get yourself ready for it and you become more robust. And you work out what your various uh, permutations and scenarios are and you are ready for what's coming at you. In this instance, it's very, very clear that at the very least, a referendum, a border poll, is coming at us probably in the next decade. So why wouldn't a government in the South get ready for that and plan for that and avoid a Brexit Mark II scenario? And you spoke about identity earlier, and that's fine, but identities uh, dealt with largely in the Good Friday Agreement. Um, this, this is now about sovereignty and about the way people are governed and what's best for all of the people, regardless of their identity or regardless of their background. So I'm Irish. Uh, I'm an Irish person, an Irish citizen, and I live in the north, and, and, and I'm ruled from London. So there is no reason uh, why someone can't maintain their British identity in a new and United Ireland and have access to a British passport and access to many of the, the same rights uh, that, that I'm entitled to uh, as an Irish citizen. That's when we know that a new and united Ireland is working. When it values our uh, British unionist, loyalist, orange, Protestant uh, friends, uh, neighbours, work colleagues, when it values all of those people. But where do they? But where do they fit in? Uh, well, hang on. In this dream of the future well, that all three of us might have, where does that fit? Where does their identity fit in? So you're you're loyalist. You've a British pat. Not you personally, but you're, a person is loyalist has a British passport, and all of a sudden, you know, Ireland becomes a united Ireland. Let's just say, for argument's sake, where do they fit into that? And we have to be fair to those that generation of people that are now there have made a life there, who are living there, and have always lived there, and generations of family of living there, but identify as British. 
So w- how do you solve so that again, problem? So again, so again, that requires a process of planning and preparing. It requires a process of speaking to people. So Ireland's future uh, ha- ha- have been uh, asking the government in Dublin uh, to prepare uh, some type of citizens' assembly, an all-island citizens' assembly, bring people together, invite them together, <coughs> civic society, uh, 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 trade organisations, trade unions, um, ordinary people, bring them together. It mightn't necessarily be the exact uh, format of a current uh, citizens' assembly uh, as, it, as it exists uh, in the South at the moment, which is 99 people uh, uh, drawn at random from the electoral register. This would need to be tweaked and it would need to be more because it needs to be people from court to cool rain. Needs to be people speaking about what their vision for the future is, regardless of their background. So even if you are um, a, 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 an ideological Irish Republican, or if you are a, a, a confirmed, committed unionist and loyalist, regardless of your view on, on any of this, we have to live together on this. Area. And I couldn't agree more. And I and I don't believe it's for you, Jerry, or it's for Maliki, or for me to even decide for the future, for future generations. Yes, we can do the logistics as more mature Correct. and political people. We can do the logistics of it. But I think the people that we really need to so, listen to so, are those 20-year-olds. So, it's, their, it's their world. It's their future. So... so so it's up to a government to convene those type of forums. So before uh, uh, Brexit, sorry, just after Brexit, there was the All-Island Civic, uh, Civic Forum on Brexit. And the Dublin government uh, convened that. And they invited all of the various interested parties uh, because uh, they realised that this was something that needed to be dealt with on a 32-county basis, that we needed to speak to everybody on the island. We need to get back to something like that in advance of a referendum that is going to be... Uh, we are going to reach a stage over the course of probably the next seven or eight years or whenever that might be, when a referendum will be undeniable. You're going to have to have this border this referendum. Why not do the hard yards now? And it will require a government in Dublin to do those hard yards. There is no other organisation... That's the agency, a body that can actually do that work other than a government in London, a government in Dublin okay, okay. and having worked with and having worked with and spoken to a government in London. Okay, finally, just well, Maliki. Just to, well, yeah, well, well, yeah, we'll just, uh, well, just to come back to that again, okay? And I don't disagree. I know you're not a fan of Citizens' Assemblies, Maliki, because as far as you're concerned, they have done a great job in the south of Ireland. But I do understand well, what Jerry is saying. To, to deliver the message that the government wants. And the one thing that the Bre- Brexit forums didn't look at was whether Ireland should have an Ireland exit. And I believe that we should speak, take our sovereignty back from both. But the people of Northern Ireland already voted in a previous Brexit and didn't want to leave the European Union well, anyway. But the, the people of the North voted to remain part of the United Kingdom under the Good Friday Agreement, which you all support, which I, I have been continually been opposed to. But the first thing that the British government need, or the Irish government needs to do is to demand from the British government a date for their disengagement from the affairs of Ireland. And that's the root cause of all of this problem. And if they do that, then we can move towards establishing how we run. Well, 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 uh, well, 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 then just finally, listening to both of you today, and I'm not disagreeing with everything both of you are saying, I disagree with some of the points that you both make, 
But in relation to what Leo Varadkar is saying, and yes, by the way, I do realise there's an election coming soon and he's saying things, obviously, he's preaching to the choir here, isn't he? And he's put, preaching to the public gallery. But Leo Varadkar would be in Europe by the time the next election comes. Probably. But maybe he will, I don't know. But in saying that, what he says is essentially the truth. And I think you're both in some way agreeing with that, that we got to get it ready before you even go down that road. Because you don't want to get it wrong. Because if we get it wrong... We're not coming back to it for a long time, maybe for well, another I, I, generation. I, said, I don't believe that there's any need for a referendum. The, the proclamation of the Irish Republic and the, the first doll set out the parameters. You can't, of the you couldn't do it without out. a referendum, Maliki. Maliki, that of would be daft. Well, legal, legally, you probably could, actually. Legally, you could. You need, well, you see, the Good Friday Agreement says, and if, if that's your, your Bible, it says. It's not my Bible, I'm just saying. It's up to the people in the north. So the people in the South have no say. So what's the point of having a referendum in the 26 counties if it doesn't have any persuasive... Well, uh, well by the way, personally uh, speaking, I, I believe it affects the people of the North more and it affects the people of the South, apart from that financial aspect. So I do believe, by the way, it is more up to the people of the North because they're the ones who are going to be left holding the chalice, well, of course, if it becomes United Ireland. And, and by the way, it's not going to be a big deal for those who are nationalists. Yeah, but it's not going to be, I mean, if it's won and declared as an all-Ireland Ireland, it's not going to really affect those people who are nationalists or those people who might be stuck in the middle somewhere, but it is going to affect those people who consider themselves to be British because they don't want to be living on the island of Ireland if they consider themselves British. Some of them, maybe some of them would be happy enough to do it. So I think everybody has to take into consideration. Right, I think well, what Jerry well, said well, is a fair point. What I realise now is it's the quality of life that will influence those people. And if they can be assured of a better quality of life in an all-Ireland that's run, for the betterment of its people rather than the betterment okay. of certain sections, then you will see a huge um, switching. You can okay. see, you know, the difference in opinion in unionists in the North since Brexit. And what we should be striving to do is to actually get the debate going here about removing ourselves from the European Union and from the Britain. Oh, well, I, I, I think, I think, I think you're you're overstating that because I. Don't get me wrong, I would have a, I like to have a debate in relation to it. I do think, do think there's arguments on both sides. But Malik, I tell you now, if you had a referendum tomorrow for Ireland to leave the EU, it wouldn't be happening. Well, you told us that now during Lisbon and I think Maastricht, when on both occasions where there was an expansion of uh, European power demanded, the Irish people rejected both of those referendums and were brought back. On one case by Albert Reynolds coming back before... To vote again. Yeah, I know, I know. Okay, okay, again, fine, okay. Just out of that's, you know, that's the reality. And there's no doubt that if this proposed referendum that in, in relation to uh, United Ireland doesn't give the right result for the political class, if the people both turn around and say they want a United Ireland, then you will find that they'll be, okay. you know, running that referendum again. Okay, Jerry, just a final point, Jerry. I'll just let you have a final point just before I finish this. Yeah, well, I think that you have to look, and, and we go back to the start of the, of the, the change in nature of society right across the island. But, you know, th there is definitely now a an emerging uh, a group of people in, in the north who are going to be uh, pivotal when it comes to the referendum. And they, they, they it appears now that they uh, seem to be of a mind to gravitate more than all-island approach. And we need to be very, very mindful and keep an eye on this section of okay. people. But they realise, you know, that things like trade, enterprise, health, sharing of data, infrastructure, financial institutions, etc., etc., all work better to the benefit of citizens when they're approached from an all-island perspective. And that, the, and that the crux of all of this is that we will be better as a people right across the island, particularly in the north, 
if we are able to govern ourselves in a government based in Ireland for the people of Ireland and not ruled from London in the year 2023. Let's get this sorted. Let's ensure that we have a referendum over the course of the next decade and let's go out and win the referendum handsomely. All right, well, listen, thank you very much indeed, Jerry. Thank you very much indeed, Malachi Seans. I appreciate both of you coming on the air and talking to me today. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Nile Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms.